This podcast is brought to you by Men's Tea Clinic. Men's Tea Clinic is the team I trust with my total wellness optimization, and so should you. Five DFW locations with North Frisco, El Dorado Parkway at Dallas North Tollway now open. Call 972-GO-MEN'S-TEA or visit mensteaclinic.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. About to catch up with John Owning, Pro Football Focus, the editor and, of course, alum formerly of Dallas Morning News. Does an excellent job. We love John. He's one of our favorites. Have the top 10 coming up on the other side, an hour away from Zach Martin as well, joining us on the show as we roll on into hour number three of the G Bag Nation. Zach Wolchuk, Brian Broadus, Lucius Alexander, Carter Freeman, running your video on Twitch and on YouTube. And, of course, you are Turn It On, Leave It On listeners. Happy holidays. We love you very much. Hopefully you're staying uh, warm and dry out there. And what is a rainy day here? In the Metroplex, without further ado, let's uh, turn things over to the Boomer Jacks Bar and Grill Hotline. John, how the hell are you doing, sir? Doing good. How about yourself? Man, we're doing really well, John. And I'm curious, you know, do you think it's a good idea for the Cowboys to move Micah off ball? <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. I, I'm, already, I'm, I'm already on my victory taking rounds on that. You know, Micah Parsons came out, backed us up. So I think that, that matter is settled. Keep him on the line of scrimmage. You know, it's, it's funny you say that, John, because I went back and I watched that Green Bay game that you were talking about and, you know, the, the yards and all that. And, you know, early in that game, you know, there was some – he had some nice positive plays. I mean, he got to the ball. and so, I mean, You could kind mm-hmm. of see at the end he was getting wore down. You know, he was having to rush. He was having to play and, you know, all the snaps that he plays. So, uh, I, you know what, there was, a, there was a time in my life where I'm saying, yeah, absolutely do this. And then I'm thinking – Against the Dolphins, with the way their offensive line is right now, health-wise, I'm I'm lining them up against every one of those backups, every one of those guys that's a backup in that football game this uh, this Sunday, and say, okay, just go attack these guys one on one, and 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 kind of figure it out from there. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think the whole thought process on moving Micah to linebacker is kind of a. I know they're not trying to do this, but in a way it's kind of disrespectful to like the linebackers as a whole, just thinking that a guy can come in without practicing at the position for essentially two years, being a, exclusively almost on the line of scrimmage, thinking he can just waltz in and be an effective off-ball linebacker when almost every offense in the NFL is doing everything they can to make life miserable on the opposing linebackers, whether that's putting them in conflict with play action or RPOs yeah. or and then they have to read pullers, or then you've got the whole zone read situation, which gave the Cowboys a lot of uh, issues against Josh Allen. So it's just there's so much that goes into playing off-ball linebacker, especially in today's NFL. The fact that you think that somebody could play it part-time and do it at a high enough level that it's going to not take away from what you're missing from him playing on the line of scrimmage and rushing the passer and getting upfield every down, I just don't think it's worth it at this point. Yeah, John, I I think that the, the Cowboy fans are, they're just, they're having those nightmares about the way that the the Bills ran the football. You know, they, mm-hmm. they just, they, and, you know, and all along we're just, and I know every time we do pregame shows, postgame shows, we talk about the Cowboys and how much guys like Bell and Curse and these guys and Dan Quinn and what they're having to do. I just think people are trying to think about it's the simple fixes get big bodies there. 
Just get mm-hmm. big bodies behind the line, you know, and, and that's going to solve all the problems. Yeah, and, like, it makes sense. I understand that why that line of thinking is people think that that's advantageous, but, like, I think there is just so many other things that can be done schematically or with your personnel that can make a bigger difference than just simply moving Micah off ball. I don't think that really solves anything. It's not going to prevent the off the interior offensive lineman from climbing to the second level sure. on doubles. It's not going to make, you know, the, um, on these outside runs, it's not going to cause, um, he's not going to be like the quickest to read, you know, pullers exactly. Right. Especially yeah. when there's a lot of backfield action, like Mark quest bell, Marcus bell on the last, against Buffalo had a lot of issues or, and Damone Clark actually too. They had a lot of issues when on the zone read and power read stuff, because we have two defenders going with Josh Allen and that leaves you already. We're in a neutral box. So then with those two guys vacated out of the box, you're now down an offender. Now you've got six blockers for five defensive linemen and your only chance is a safety coming in from the roof to try to bring in run support. And that just takes too long. And that's why the Buffalo bills, even when they weren't cranking these 10 plus yards, they were getting five, six, seven yards consistently. It's because the rest of Cowboys run support took time and opposing offensive lines. They, they're not worried about the Cowboys defensive tackles ability to shed single blocks. So they're just giving a helping hand or maybe a little bump and they're getting to the second level extremely quickly in those situations. So, you know, there's just a lot of different, a lot of things that went wrong and, a lot of people, you know, it's hard for people to accept the fact that they just got their butts kicked in a yeah, game, and that sure happens, did. you know? Yeah. You Sometimes you go you go to a game and you just don't have your best stuff that day, and I think that is also playing a large point into it, especially, too, when you, and then you can add in all the schematic changes, you know, because they thought they were going to have Millie Cooker, and then they don't last mm-hmm. minute, and then you have to change and put Wanye Thomas, who plays more in the box, now he's playing deep, and how that changes how you want to align and structure your defense against a team that you think is going to actually pass the ball adequately enough. And, but then they just had so much success that they just kept running and pounding and pounding the rock. So it just creates a bunch of circumstances, I think, that led to the game. I don't think there's just one thing moving Mike at a linebacker like it would have changed anything. I really, I think the Bills are still going to be gobbling up yards on the ground regardless of where he lined up. John Owning, Pro Football Focus, with us here in the G-Bag Nation. You know, looking at this Miami game, they present a lot of challenges, but but different challenges. You mentioned the RPO stuff and having to account for Josh Allen. Two is not running, right? But the motion that Mike McDaniel will utilize and the speed that they have, what kind of challenges and concerns should the Cowboys have going up against Miami? Oh, it's a ton of trouble. Because I think, um, I forget who posted it at PFF, but it was like a week or two ago when they were talking about how successful defenses are against um, motion. And while the Cowboys defense before the Buffalo game were actually getting pretty decent results on a play-by-play basis from either success rate or like an EPA per play, or even if you want to go into the PFF grading, they were doing a pretty adequate job. But then when they faced motion, especially motion at the snap, they were really, really struggling. The Cowboys, you see their their uh, efficiency and effectiveness go way down. And that's a recipe for disaster against Mike McDaniel is probably the most innovative offensive mind there is right now when it comes to bringing in creative motion and having that inner a lot of teams they use motion but they're not using it for purposefully consistently every motion he does is done purposefully and he can build counters off those motions say you know they do those exit motions with Tyreek Hill because they're trying to spread out so they can hit that that RPO slant that they love 
well, you have the linebacker pushed up to try to take away that window. They're going to gas you up the middle with Devon A-Chain and yeah. Raheem Moster. You know, they have so many counters built in with these motions that it kind of goes against what the Cowboys have kind of struggled with all season long, and that kind of worries me. But then the thing that gives me a glimmer of hope is, you know, X's and O's are important, but the Jimmys and the Joes are way more yeah, important. And, the, there you and go. the Dolphins just don't have the Jimmys and Joes up front with all the injuries that they've had. So even though I think they will have the schematic advantages, just do they have the players that can really execute it at such a high level against Dallas's personnel? Well, John, you're, you're preaching my language right there, man. <laughs> I, I really, I, I'm glad to hear you say that because I, I kind of feel the same way. <laughs> the thing that I worry about, John, is I worry about Vic Fangio in this defense. And mm-hmm. as much as that cloud coverage and stuff, and we talked about how they play and then the fact that, you know, you got Ramsey and he travels and even travels in the slot and all. And you watch what, you know, it, to me, it, it seemed like that Buffalo had a really good plan about making Dak have to find white jerseys and all that sea of blue. Uh, is that something, it, the concern of Vic Fangio and, and maybe the Dallas offense once again uh, not getting it done against a defense that might play that way. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think the Dolphins defense actually has the personnel to kind of match up with the Cowboys. I mean, you've got Jalen Ramsey, like you said, he travels. He's probably one of the only, probably the only cornerback in the NFL where you could say like one-on-one he has a chance of slowing down or even stopping CeeDee Lamb. They have also have Xavier Howard. I know he's dealing with an injury. Not sure if he's going to 100% play, but if he does, he's someone who can go toe-to-toe with either Gallup or Cooks on the outside. Then you've got some decent rushers uh, like Bradley Chubb, Andrew yeah. Van Ginkle. they got a lot of good personnel to kind of go, especially the thing that worries me a little bit is Van Ginkle versus Steele on the outside. I think that Van Ginkle can give Steele some issues, especially in pass protection there, especially – he continues to rely on that outside punch with his outside hand so much, and it makes him so susceptible for those swipes and cross drops that we've seen defenders use so much. And Van Ginkle, that's right up his alley, right in his game. And like you said, with Fan, the thing with Fanjo is his defense is really is one of the most moldable defenses that you have, especially from a structure standpoint against the pass. And he's gonna he plays the math. I call it the game of math when you're in coverage. He's always getting three over two. He's always getting four over three. He's always gonna have the math advantage when it comes to how many players are in coverage versus the receivers you have out in route. And the Cowboys, I think a key for the Cowboys is I'm not the biggest run game person, but you have to be able to run the ball when they're in too high situations. And you got to keep the game close so that you don't have to consistently pass and they can just drop eight or drop seven and just consistently like the Buffalo was able to do, just jump in uh, Dak Prescott's passing lanes consistently. But if you have a closer game where the run is a threat, you can still maintain the play action pass. And hopefully the Cowboys continue to utilize these motion concepts that have given them so much success since the bye week that they can have some success and be in a more favorable position to be able to enact the offense that has been so successful and why Dak was in MVP talks before the cataclysm that was last week. Yeah, John, when you when you went back and watched, though, the way that the Cowboy offense, it it didn't even look like it looked like the offense from weeks one through five. It didn't mm-hmm. even, it didn't even look. I mean, I know the running game was better than what we've seen in weeks one through five, you know, and I think Buffalo was like, cool, run the ball. You sure. know, you're not making any big plays, you know, sure. Mm-hmm. Six, seven, eight yards. Great. But the, you know, the game they were behind in the game, they never were going to, you know, I think Buffalo was worried about the big plays, but Dallas's offense, it didn't even look similar to what we've seen the previous size, six or seven weeks. 
Yeah, totally agree. The play action rate was down. The motion, um, both at the snap and shift, were both uh, rates were both down. You know, all these things that a thing that I focused on a lot is it, the first five weeks of the season, like you said, they were mostly a static two by two formation offense. And, but then they started utilizing a lot more three by ones, a lot more quads, motioning the quads, and they just didn't do some stuff like that. I wonder if against the Buffalo Bills, they were going in thinking one thing. And then when the game kind of got out of their hands, they were just kind of like, well, we can't do play action now because they're not going to bite. Yeah. You know, um, I, it seemed like they didn't know exactly what the Bills were going to do on a play-by-play basis on the, in the back half in the secondary. So it seemed like they were just trying to make it as simple as possible, just keep it pre-snap without all the movement, and maybe Dak would be able to try to slice and dice it for something that was a little bit easier to diagnose pre-snap. But obviously that didn't work out, and I hope that even if for some reason the Cowboys you know, just give up like a – big 90 yard Tyreek touchdown early or they're down two touchdowns early that they stick with the offense that got him, got them here and not revert back. Like you said, to the kind of the offense that was static two by two short, short breaking routes, those type yeah. of things. John, you do such an excellent job breaking down the tape. What are your thoughts so far from what you've seen from Mozzie? I mean, I'm pretty much in lockstep with what I've seen Brian say, you know, on Twitter and stuff. There's, he, I'm not going to say he's been great. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to say he's been even like good, but there are things that there are a lot of situations where he shows you the traits that made him such a valuable commodity at that point of the draft. But the reason why they have such high hopes for him in the future, you know, his ability, the strength he has in his upper body and the torque yeah. particularly that he can create is so impressive. You just don't see it. I mean, you see a stark contrast between him. I think Hankins has overall been much better than him this season, but mm-hmm. you see the torque and the ability to shed and the ability to generate like explosive power that Mozzie has that a guy like Hankins or guys like that we see Carl Davis and Neville yeah. Gallimore, they just don't have don't that have it. innate thing that he has. But um, like I said, until he's able to get to a point where he's demanding double teams and he's consi- and when they're not, and he's able to shed and, make plays it's just going to be tough and people forget that nose tackle is one of the toughest positions to enter the nfl and i mean go look at Derek brown from carolina go look yeah. at his first couple of years and he's having a really good a career year this year go look at dexter lawrence the all world nose tackle go look at him his first rookie year he wasn't anything close to what he's doing now vita vea as a rookie all these nose tackles when they're as a rookie they struggle because it's a lot you've got to learn there's a lot more that goes into your gap responsibility. There's a lot more. They do a lot more changing with the snap cadence, the snap count. So it's harder to get a more consistent get off than it was in college. So all these type of things make the transition difficult for these young nose tackles. So I'm still really excited and optimistic about what he can be in years two and year three. Hey, John, you're going to get yourself in trouble aligning with me in anything. I just recommend that you don't do that. (laughs) It's probably better for your career if that's the case. Uh, but I, I'm going to ask you this, though, because you, you do have an understanding, a, a really good understanding of Mozzie. Are you seeing, though, the biggest problems he has is when he's laid off the ball? That, that to oh, me, yeah. that's to me when he gets blocked the most is when you watch him and hands are still on the ground and everybody else is moving. Mm-hmm. 
to me, the most disappointing snaps you'll see is when he's lined up in that two eye yeah. with the inside shade of the guard. And he's still, when you have that alignment yeah. advantage against a center on outside zone, there should be zero reason why he ever reaches and cuts you off. Right. But that's happened on more than a handful of occasions with the Mozzie. And that goes down to, like you said, he's slow off the ball. Yeah. And when you're slow off the ball against these really lightning quick centers, I mean, Jason Kelsey was just putting on a, putting on a field day in the yeah. two games of when Mozzie was in and he was playing that kind of two eye and getting reached consistently just because Kelsey's so quick off the ball. And if you give him a bead ahead of you, you're done. And that's just the kind of thing that Mozzie's got to get better. And I think with the off season, I mean, it's not a secret that he's slow off the ball. Everybody can see it. We know that sure. he probably knows the team knows. So I'm hoping throughout the off season, he's going to work his ability to, be quicker on the reactions to be quicker off the ball. And I think that's going to make a huge, huge difference. John, I've challenged folks. I've said, I wish we could all sit down and just watch tape with the fans and try and point out, I mean, there's good and there's bad, Yeah. but I mean, just to give everybody an idea. And again, you don't have to be scouts like, like you and I do the jobs and stuff and, and Zach and how we were all involved in watching this tape. But yeah, if you get the, you know, the NFL.com stuff, you could sit down and you could see it. I mean, you just, it's, it's so clear the issues that he has but the, but the, for folks to call him a bust right now and all that, I just I am not I am not going there. I, I just can't go there with that kid because I do see exactly the things you're talking about: the torque, the strength, and those things that his ability to play that way. Oh, 100 percent. I totally agree with your idea that I wish you can just go watch film with the fans and kind of like point this out. And it's yeah. kind of a sore spot for me this year because in the past I would do my big film threads after sure. a game, yeah. and I yeah. feel like like. At least that if people disagreed with me, I could give you could them prove it. Proof, you could, yeah, 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 proof of yeah. what's going on in my thought process and why I came to these sure. uh, conclusions. But because of PFF's contracts and stuff, I haven't been able to post yeah, gotcha. uh, clips this year. So I've been noticing that I'm getting a lot more negative feedback towards my conclusions because I don't yeah. have that film to back it up like I did in the past and. It's been very, very frustrating yeah, for you me can, personally. Well, no, you, you can educate folks. I mean, your stuff you is real, work, yeah, really, really good. Do. You can educate folks that way. I just wish, like I said, I think people, if they have a, if you just, if you t- show people what you're talking about, they understand it a lot better. Mm-hmm. They Even really, if they really disagree too. Oh, no, no, absolutely. People go, disagree. Okay, yeah. Like, I understand. Oh, no. Yeah, why absolutely. You come to that conclusion. Yep. That makes no sense. doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. When we're just using words, like, I'm just like, oh, yeah, you know, Mozzie, he's, <laughs> he's showing torque right there. He's like, oh, shut up. We gave up 250 yards. That's blah, exactly blah, blah, right. Blah. Yeah, yeah. You're just using empty words. Yeah. All these, like, scout talk. And I'm just like, ugh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> John, thank you so much, buddy. We really appreciate you giving us some time today. Keep up the great work. And, uh, hey, hopefully the Cowboys give a better one for us on Sunday to break down. Yes, sir. Really appreciate you guys having me on, and happy holidays. Hope you guys have a great time. You too, John. Thanks a lot, man. There he goes. John Owning. You can follow him at John Owning on Twitter. Uh, Editor at PFF does a great job. All right, let's get into the top 10. It is Samuel Jackson's 75th birthday today. Happy birthday to him. I got the top top 10 Samuel Jackson movies of all time. What's your favorite? There's a lot to choose from next. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Time now for the Top 10 at 420 segment brought to you by Frankel and Frankel. We are getting closer and closer to the Zach Martin show coming up at the top of the hour. We'll go around the bases on the other side, get you some uh MLB and Rangers content as well here on your home of the World Series champions, your Texas Rangers on 105.3 The Fan. Uh, but, man, it is the 75th birthday of Samuel L. Jackson, and uh, he is the item of conversation for today's Wooly Bully Top 10. Now, Brian, you say you don't watch a lot of movies. Okay? I, I don't. But you've had, I mean, the amount of movies that Samuel L. Jackson has starred in. There's probably a lot that you've seen, sir, that you don't even realize. I mean, holy hell, has anybody been in more movies than Samuel L. Jackson, Lucius? No, I don't think so, bro. Like, he's in Kevin every- Bacon, maybe? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Bacon. Dude's in everything. Like, I've seen more Kevin Bacon movies. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Uh, and, he, and he's in some some great films. 877-881-1053. What is your favorite Samuel L. Jackson movie? you got a lot to choose from. I mean, there's some where he even just makes a cameo. Uh, and then there's, of course, several others where he stars in, like, honorable mentions, the Kingsman movies. Oh. Like, he was great in the first Kingsman, I thought. I mean, he, like, vomits anytime he sees blood. He was hilarious in that. Of course, Snakes on a Plane is honorable mention. <laughs> Sick and tired of these mother-bleeping snakes on this mother-bleeping plane. We got uh, The Long Kiss Goodnight getting texted in. Of course, Pulp Fiction is a classic. Yeah. Seen a lot of clips for that. I gotta yeah. go back and watch that again. Oh, man, Pulp Fiction's it's been amazing. A True Romance, getting texted in from the 972. What's your favorite Samuel L. Jackson movie, Lucius? Uh, you been jotting down some? Uh, okay, let's see. My favorite one is Black Snake Moan, him and Christina Ritchie. What? Yeah, it's one of my favorite movies. Boy, okay. I tell you what, I like that one. And there's another one. It's a new one called The Banker. Yeah, that was okay. great. Yeah, that was I a didn't good one. see it. Okay, there's so many that I can't have a favorite There's one, a but lot. Black Snake Moan is definitely on my top favorite movies because it's a, Christina Ritchie. Absolutely, there, there, there's so many. The Long Kiss Goodnight, uh, Die Hard, getting texted in. He was in Die Hard with a Vengeance. That's an honorable mention. A Time to Kill. Time to oh, kill. Shaft. He was Shaft. Yeah, he was yeah. Shaft, bro. Yes. There, I mean, there's there's a lot that we're probably going to forget. Coach Carter got texted. And Coach Carter's an honorable mention. Uh, the Hateful Eight which he was hilarious in as well. You have Snakes on a Plane, as I mentioned already. Star Wars? Yep, he was in Star Wars. The Phantom Menace. Yeah, the Phantom Menace. He was Mace Windu, absolutely. Uh, Jurassic Park, Hold On to Your Butts. That's where Hold On to Your Butts came from, absolutely. Uh, I don't think think he was in The Dark Knight. I think that was... uh, No, I don't think he was in The Dark Knight series. Shawshank... I'm going through them all right Unbreakable. Now. Gosh, Unbreakable is good. And then they just had the new one that came out that I'm blanking on. Lazarus Woods, huh? Lucius and Black Snake Moon. Yeah, yeah more Black Snake Moon is Moon. crazy, yeah. bro. Wow. So many good ones. Yeah, yeah, number 10 is Black Snake Moan. <laughs> yeah. That comes in at number 10. Christina Richard, that forehead. <laughs> that forehead. <laughs> yeah, I like that. 
Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, coming to America. Yeah, he tried to rob the McDowell's yeah, and coming to America. Yeah, he did. Number nine is The Avengers. Of course, he's been in so many of those Marvel movies now as Nick Fury. Number eight is Do the Right Thing, 1989. Have not oh, seen yeah. it. Have not seen it, but I should. Iron Man. They say he was an Iron Man? Yeah, because he was Nick Fury. Okay. So, like, all of those Marvel oh, have you movies, he, play, said he that plays one? the same character. But, yeah, so he'll be in Thor, like, oh, Nick Thor, Thor Captain okay. yeah, America. Okay. There we go. He yeah. makes an appearance in all of yeah, these. Okay. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, and he, I don't think he was in Shawshank either. That was also, I believe, Morgan Freeman. Number seven <laughs> is uh, Jurassic it Park. so much alike. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Morgan Freeman's God. Samuel L. Jackson just drops a bunch of F-bombs and everything, you know? What do you want me to do? Oh, yeah, he wasn't good, fellas. Yeah, he got off. He got off. Yeah. Jackie Brown. Oh! Jackie Brown. Yeah, Jackie, Jackie Brown. Brown. Yeah. It was great in Jackie Brown. The Negotiator. Have not seen that. Got texted in. The Terrace. Oh, okay, the wait, Terrace. Wait. Okay, The Negotiator. Is that one with Kevin Spacey? Is that the one? I don't know. I haven't seen it. Okay, maybe I need to go look. See, here. I, He's okay. a great actor, too, by the way. Actually, yeah, here I am. I, I I get a movie that I've seen, The Negotiator. And we haven't seen it. And you're like, oh, I don't know. Well, Brian. I just haven't seen The You've Negotiator. You've seen I'm like sorry. thousands of movies, and you haven't have, seen that one. But that's one I haven't seen. And then I am. I actually watched a movie, and you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about, Broaders. I'm not saying I have no idea what you're talking I, about. I've I'm, heard I'm of the out movie. Of this game. I've I'm heard so of the out, movie. Yeah, he's a Dan, uh, <laughs> Lieutenant Danny uh, Roman in the negotiator. Of course he was. Yeah. Why didn't you say that? Yeah, Kevin Spacey's in it. Chicago Police Lieutenant. Give me that MF and phone. Yeah, exactly. You need to come out to MF and house. Yeah, He's probably exactly. got the record for dropping the F-bomb most in cinema history. I mean, in Django alone, I think yeah, he, he Django, says yeah. <laughs> he Django as well, My bro. God. Number yeah. seven it's is Jurassic Park. Django right now. <laughs> <laughs> Number six, he was a voice in this, The Incredibles, which is a fantastic film. Yeah. Number five, Jungle Fever, came out in 1991. Number four, Unbreakable, which is great. If you haven't seen Unbreakable, you should go back. It's probably Elijah Price and Mr. Glass. M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah, Mr. Glass. Yep, might not be. It might be uh, M. Night Shyamalan's best movie. Number three is Jackie Brown. Yeah, so good. Jackie Jackie Brown. Brown, I haven't seen that movie in so long. So darn good. That is a phenomenal film. Uh, A lot getting texted in. Um, Pulp Fiction getting a lot of love. Deja Vu getting texted in. Deep Blue Sea. Holy crap, he is in Deep Blue Sea, isn't he? SWAT. Didn't he get ate by the shark in Deep Blue Sea? He, standing right did. there? Yeah. Right after he went like this wrong rant or whatever? Dude, that movie is <laughs> effed up. That is an effed up film. LL Cool J was a chef. Deep yes. as bluest. My head is like the shark's fin. Deep as bluest. <laughs> uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. We, I mentioned, don't worry, 817. That was honorable mention. Uh, we got, yeah, you t- you said Shaft already. Triple Man, X. Shaft oh, yeah, he- 1971. Yeah. The new Shaft, though. He's in the new Shaft. Yeah, but he's the nephew. Good. He's the nephew of yeah. John Shaft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many movies getting texted. So Buster Rhymes was in that one, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Christian oh, Bale? Was. Yeah. So what, what was that? It wasn't supposed to jump out like that. That's my mind reacting and not <laughs> yeah. not my soul. Lane Futaris is an F-dub. Ooh, Vanessa Williams. Lane Futaris is good. Yeah, that, that's an underrated film right there. And no, he's not. That's Lawrence Fishburne. He's not in The Matrix. It's a different guy. It Come on. so much I, alike. I think we're getting trolled We're trolling I think, we're, I think we're getting trolled on like, yeah, who can I throw out there? Uh, number two is Django Unchained. Jamie Foxx, we talked about him last week. I recently saw an article about like how uncomfortable Leo was filming some of those scenes. Yeah. And Samuel L. Jackson just cusses him out and says, like, dude, you just got to grow some balls. And yeah. He sure did it. He did. Ne- <laughs> next day, did Leo comes on to set, and Jamie Foxx is like, hey, what's up, Leo? Leo doesn't talk to him. 
and then they just get in into the scene starts, and yeah. Leo is a new person. I mean, he do, he dove into that character. Yeah, Candyland. Candyland. Number one, though, best Samuel Jackson film, and I agree with this. Pulp, fil- Pulp Fiction. I mean, Pulp Fiction is a classic. It is. It's one of the best movies ever made, and if you haven't seen it, I've seen get a yourself lot of a Royale with cheese. I've seen a lot of clips. I think his voice was in Inglorious Bastards. It was. Me. Yeah, it was. It was. It says as I just saw that. There we go. Yeah. Gosh, I mean, he finds a way to get in all of these. What the hell's going on? Yeah. It's unbelievable. But there, there's so many. I mean, the list of Samuel L. Jackson films, it goes on. Oh, Soul Man. Yeah, Soul Man on. was good. And on. The other guys, Soul Man. We're getting so many texts in here. Uh, <laughs> some of these are also trolling, though. You know, come on. I, I <laughs> Which know, one? I know. I mean, I don't think. He wasn't in the Green Mile. <laughs> like he's, that, that's not Samuel L. Jackson. Looks so much alike. Stop! Stop it now. I love the fact that people are trolling you on this one. Yeah, they know. They're like they, yeah. now, it's a bit. It might be the same guy. I don't know. But we're getting creative here. Uh, was he in Ted? I've never seen. Think Ted. he was in Ted. Ted's yeah. the the stuffed animal. The stuffed yeah. animal one. Yeah. I'm looking Seth MacFarlane. Mark Wahlberg. Mark bro, Wahlberg. no, I'm not doing that. He, <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> I think they're about to make a Ted series. God. Yeah, we're about to get some more Ted. I don't think Mark Wahlberg will be in it, though. I think it's a young Ted. So they've recasted, uh, like, a young Mark Wahlberg. So you, know, you don't have to worry about him. Uh, Jungle Fever, we did give some love to, absolutely. Kong Skull Island. Oh, he was oh, in Oh, yes. yes. He was in Kong. He was going to kill that monkey. He yeah. sure was. Yeah, he would. He would mess with them. All right, so many good Samuel L. Jackson movies. Thank you so much. Let's go around the bases. Catching up with Boach. And the latest team to make an offer to this free agent. That's next. Thank you, LA. Zach Martin, your Cowboys All Pro guard, going to be joining us here at the top of the hour. Uh, recap what happened in Buffalo. Of course, look ahead to Miami. And, of course, have some fun with Zach, as we always do. Appreciate you rocking with us here in the G Bag Nation. About to go around the bases. But we've had so many people texting in their amount of time listening, courtesy of the Odyssey app. It should just tell you right there on the app. Uh, and, man, I think, Brian, you had somebody reach out with, yeah. with a good number as well. Yeah, I, I believe this gentleman's name is J.T. Lejeune. 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 And uh, 63,789 minutes. There we go. So, thank you very much, J.T. Appreciate you there. Man, that's awesome. We, we've had so many people DM us, uh, reach out on Instagram, Twitter, whatever it might be. We appreciate all your support. We wouldn't be here doing what we're doing without you, the Tolos, or Turn It On, Leave It On listeners. We love you. We always love the interaction you're giving us on the truckwreck.com text line, 877-881-1053. The sound off, what you're drinking, what you're thinking, which we'll do tomorrow. And it looks like, hey, a lot of you might be stuck in traffic right now, 75. I don't know if we got holiday traffic I don't know. People on. people might be trying to head out of town. might be trying to head south. You know, it looks like out there. I know it's a be careful out there. I know Lucius always warns you about that, way you drive and stuff like that. So kind of look out for it's each slick. other. Yeah, look out for each other out there. Get to your destination safely and come back. But while you're out there, make sure you're listening to us, please. Give us a listen, please, if you don't mind. And Twitch on YouTube as well. Shout out to Carter for always doing a fine job. Ryan as well. We love our Twolos and our Tubers. Now, uh, Yamamoto is the hot name out there on the free agent market in the Major League Baseball circles. Yankees. $300 million player there. Keep talking very highly of him. Uh, You know, he's a generational type player, but the Phillies are the latest to make an offer to Yamamoto. They are uh, apparently offering a similar contract to what the Yankees are throwing out there. I mentioned yesterday the Dodgers considering circling around a 250 to $300 million offer for him, but this is heating up. I mean, I, I had heard that the Mets, I believe, 
Yes. We're kind of, it was Mets and Yankees going back and forth, and it mm. was believed maybe the Mets would be the favorite, and now you have the Phillies jumping in there, yeah. and the Dodgers kind of lurking in the background. Dodgers are always going to lurk. They got Shohei now. He's recruiting. I, mean, I know. He's out there. We talked a, about Glass yesterday saying, like, yeah, Otani, yeah, big reason why I wanted to come here. He called me over 24 hours after he signed. He's, he's on the couch with the dog. They've got the cell phone just dialing guys up, trying to get everybody. Motivated to coming out to L.A. Well, Otani keeps collecting honors. He just got his second AP top male athlete honor in three years. That is the, of course, he signed the most lucrative contract in U.S. sports. And uh, now he is the Associated Press Male Athlete of the Year for the second time. So congratulations to Shohei Otani. Just keep collecting that hardware. Probably never seen another one like him, right? No, no. I mean, we talked about the top lefties. Babe Ruth was number one. Yeah. I mean, he's probably the best player we've seen since Babe Ruth doing what he's doing. You know, pitching doing the and pitching hitting. and the hitting. Yeah. Pretty incredible. And then next year, whenever his elbow recovers and he gets cleared to throw, uh, he said he'd be playing some outfield as well. I mean, he's a guy that's like, I'm not just going to DH. I want to do anything that I can. Of course, yeah. he's probably going to have to DH until he's cleared to throw. But man, it's going to be. And when he gets back into that rotation, assuming they. You know, they got that new deal done with Glass now. Going to have a nasty rotation. Walker Bueller, once he gets back healthy as well, there with the Dodgers. Great article in the morning news by Evan Grant, who went and visited Bruce Bochy in his home near Nashville. Yeah. And a little easy hop there. He was probably already there for the owners' meetings. He probably right? was. I say the owners' meetings. The uh, winter uh, meetings? Winter meetings, yeah. 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 Uh, so, you know, last year, Bochy just got in the job, came out of retirement. He, he did this as well. So he goes back, and there were some differences. And he notes, you know, a change in routine for Boach because he didn't have his wife with him this year. For the first 12 years, Boach managed in San Diego. Him and his wife, Kim, raised a family together, Mm -hmm. lived year-round in the community. After taking over the Giants in 2007, they kept a condo in San Francisco but would return to San Diego in the offseason. This time around, Kim wasn't leaving the community south of Nashville in which they settled three years ago. She respected and yielded to her husband's competitive drive but he yielded to her drive to be near the grandkids as much yeah. as possible. So baseball had changed, of course, since Boach last managed, and so had a lot of things at home. Boach said, I'm challenged with that stuff, meaning technology, because he would be getting FaceTimed by the wifey and the grandkids. He said, quote, I looked at the washer and dryer and went, oh, geez, you operated the gates, the community gates, yeah. indoors with your phone. The fob was on the phone. And there's time when the app would disappear. I couldn't find it, and you couldn't get in without it. There's no key anymore. So, I mean, Boach is talking about, you know, just getting older, the challenges with all that stuff. But he said, quote, I think that that was a real silver lining for me. It really brought the family together even more. There was a lot of family reunions. So during the Rangers AL Championship Series, the whole family came to stay in Arlington. They had a bunch of blow-up mattresses that they would put all over the house, and everybody, and the grandkids are sleeping. Boach said, quote, I, I went in with a different mindset, you know, this time around. Because he'd yeah. done this three times with the Giants. He went to a World Series with the Padres. Now he's going on this run with the Rangers. Quote, I had the attitude that I was going to enjoy this more. I ended up reminding myself of that many times. That part of what I said was tested a lot. But I do think I had a deeper appreciation for everything because of the time off. I was able to look back during that time and say I should enjoy myself more. I was concerned about all the stress going on, Kim said his wife. No matter what happens, winning, losing, it's all very stressful. And he handled it way better than he had in the past. So he was able to have those couple years off, get the reset, came back, and just had a greater appreciation for that magical World Series run run that the Rangers went on. 
It's pretty amazing. Well, thank you, sir. Really, thank, really. thank you, sir, for you know, kind of breaking away from the family for a little bit, and thank you for the misses for kind of holding things together so you can go do this. Absolutely, yeah, it, no, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, and and now they're rolling and and going, you know, to to the World Series, and you know, Boach. You know, you, you have to. I remember when I was fortunate enough to go to a uh, to go to the Super Bowl, be a part of a Super Bowl winning team. Sure, and you kind of felt like. And it's so weird because I left I left Green Bay to go to Philadelphia. And then next year, Green Bay got back in the Super Bowl. And I'm like, oh, damn, what did I just do? You know? And so it was, it was kind of like a little bit of a shock. But you just never know when you're going to get back. And, I, and looking back on it, I wish I would have enjoyed it a little bit more. It, it was nice, I mean, to be a part of all that. I love the, the NFC Championship game against Carolina and all that. But man, I'll tell you what, it I if I had to do it over, I would have taken it all in a little more cuz we went from the Super Bowl to right back to work. Mm. You know, to try and get to the next No time one. to let it kind of sink no, nobody in. Nobody let it set it in and I'm glad that that Boach got to got to cuz you don't know when you're going back. No. You just don't ever have an in idea. In the moment, I mean, you're yeah. thinking, "Okay, we're going to come right back to it." Yeah. Oh, you no, know? this and is, it could be the last time. Every year we're going to do this. Yeah. Oh, know? this is this is fun. Let's do I'm this sure, again next year. I'm sure Jerry Jones feels that way. Absolutely. You know, like all the, you know, hand him the trophy and they're like, "Oh, we'll be back next year." Yeah, we'll be back the year after that and you know, next thing you know, you're it's, you know, 30 years later. It was incredible. You're trying to get back. Yeah. Well, Boach was uh, reminiscing about the run with Evan Grant. He said, you look at how the regular season ended, having to go to Tampa, start the playoffs on the road. I'm just amazed at what they did, and they did it. It's why I got back in. There were times when I even had to say, are you kidding me? What's it mean? Yeah. Sure, it meant a lot to me. Every World Series is special in its own way. But to watch those guys, so many guys, players, coaches, staff, to whom it had never, it had never oh, happened it's crazy, before. yeah. That was something. To see how many people were impacted, that's what really gets me emotional. It's just hard to find the words, really. Bruce Bochy there uh, with Evan Grant, absolutely incredible. All right, let's catch up with our buddy, the great Zach Martin, Cowboys All-Pro guard. We will catch up with him at the top of the hour. That's next here on 105.3 The Fan. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.